lot of times in business, and in our business, there is what we call follow-up, and that we make a contact with you, as you know. How many of you have ever gotten a letter? Oh, help me. I hope somebody did. Anybody ever gotten a letter from us? Good. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. Among the few. And, uh, but if you've gotten a letter, that was a follow-up. We, we do teach people that are, are, are uh, in training here that if you um, get a follow-up to somebody within 24 hours, that the percentages are very high, maybe as high as 85%, that that person will return. And we want you to return, so we follow up uh, with a letter, thanking you, of course, for coming and encouraging you to come again. And a lot of times after that, we're probably going to try to place you in a home Bible study. And if you're, how many are currently in home Bible study? Anybody doing that? Cynthia, you're doing that. Brendan, okay. All right. Are you all afraid to raise your hand? I won't bite. Um, okay. So we want you to be in Bible study. We want to follow up with you. Services, coming to services, not just service, but coming to services. This is another form of follow-up. The more that you can begin, not just us, but that you can begin to follow up, then the more that the Word of God is going to come into your heart, because we don't preach anything else but the Word of God around here, so... The more that you get the Word, and it did say to let the Word of God dwell richly in your heart. So we want you to have an abundance of His Word in your heart. We want to pour that seed into your heart. We want to get it in there and plant it good and deep so that you can have the right result and we can witness that right result. Now you want to notice Matthew 4.19, and I just took a portion of this, but it said, follow me. Now this is repeated with more than one person or persons that Jesus influenced to become his disciples. He would say, follow me. And you want to remember that each case is individual. All right. So what I'm saying to you is, yes, one guy was a tax collector and some others were fishermen. One was a physician. Uh, the point being that it's what you're doing. It's what you're doing. Whatever that would be labeled. Whatever it is that you're doing. That you, Jesus arrests your attention. He, he gets your attention. And in getting your attention, then you drop what you're doing. Meaning, meaning that you put this to the top of the priority list. And you say, you know what? There's a whole lot of things that I'm doing or involved with that aren't near as important as following him. And you don't want to follow him in a general way, what's called generically. You don't want to follow him in a general way. You want to, you know, lots of people say that they're saved and they're not. Lots of people tell you they believe in the Lord and they don't. Not according to chapter and verse, which is what Jesus said we must do. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said. All right, so we've got to begin in following on 
to know the Lord. We've got to uh, learn His Word because His Word is what's going to instruct us, going to teach us, going to help us to know what He's about, how He is, what He thinks. I had a, an individual tell me many years ago in witnessing, I stopped in at a place where they were uh, having some type of a meeting and they were just kind of getting organized and I uh, began to talk to some of the people that were there and that were doing the organizing and in so doing I just happened to mention the word doctrine and uh, the individual was a woman she got very irate with me very upset and she said doctrine she said I don't like that word doctrine and I said well I said the Bible called it the doctrine of Jesus Christ. What can I say? You know, I just believe the Bible. You know, how about you? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, as we follow on to know the Lord, then the, the, we're going to get educated to what he's all about, how he thinks, what he said. No scripture that you have holding in your hand between uh, Genesis to Revelation, let me say it the positive way, all scripture, is inspired of God okay it's all given by his inspiration and so you want to you want to begin to follow him you trace his steps where did he go who did he talk to how did he speak to them what did he say and in in watching what he did you see a pattern of exactly how we begin and start a church plant a new work that's what you see because Jesus came to start a work. He began to reach people and meet people and interact with people. And he prayed for people. And many wonderful things took place in their lives. You're living in a world where we have two extremes. We have the extreme of people that are fake and phony with the work of God. And then we have the other extreme that they don't believe it at all. God doesn't do that anymore. But there is a church that Jesus gave birth to. There is that which he started. And what we want you to see in the scripture is that those that followed him and got to a point where the scripture said in Luke 24 that he led them out to a certain place overlooking the city of Jerusalem and he began to give them last-minute instructions because he has already been crucified. He's already risen again from the dead, and he's getting ready to ascend up into heaven. And at this particular moment, he gives them some instructions, and in giving them those instructions, he tells them above 500 of them, he tells them what it is that they need to do and how it needs to be done. For an example, he said that repentance and remission of sins was to be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so he told them after he blessed them, he gave them a blessing, and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Giving them these instructions, telling them to wait or tarry, for the promise of the Spirit, which saith he, you have heard of me. You heard, I told you about that, is what he was saying. And so it came time to go from that place down to Jerusalem, to that upper room of the church house. And the Bible said of the 500, only about 380 went. 
or 121, excuse me, 380 didn't go. <laughs> Woo. 380 did not go. About 120 went. So you see my point that there are people who do not follow on to know the Lord. They only knew a little bit. They only knew a small amount. And that's the dangerous thing, that you can just learn a little bit about him. And the enemy will make you believe that you got it all. You're just fine. And you go about your business, and you never get really deep in God. You do not get rooted and grounded and settled. Now, let me take a natural example. Suppose that somebody said to you that they wanted to hire you, and you went, and you filled out the application, and you spent the first day, an hour or two, getting oriented. You came back the second day, and you worked a whole day, and then you quit. And you walk off and say, well, I know all about that job. I don't, I don't need to go there anymore. I don't care anything about that. I'm not going back there. Okay? Well, truthfully, you don't know everything about the job. You probably don't know little anything about the job because it was so short obviously and that can go along with the seed falling on top believing for a while in other words feeling it for a while the inspiration of it for a while uh, in in this in the seas when the waves come in you can catch a wave and ride it in I know this from a child and uh, don't do that anymore <laughs> but I know that as a child and if you hesitate, if you wait, then the wave will pass you by. And that's what can happen with this great walk with Jesus Christ. He comes and tells you to follow him, and you need to follow him. And you don't need to just follow him for a short season. All right? You need to lengthen out your stride here, and you need to follow on to know the Lord. You want to know him. You don't want it to be something that is just um, superficial, something that is uh, what we call on top of the surface. You don't want it to be something that is short-lived, have a short lifespan. I met uh, a man one day in witnessing in a park, and he was just laying there drunk. And I knelt down to give him an invitation to church and to talk to him a little bit. And he said... Um, when I got done saying a few things, he said, well, he said, I took Jesus as my personal Savior back in 1941. You know, that was 1971, about when that happened. So I'm saying there are lots of people that catch a little wave or they kind of let it go by them and they don't quite get the full thrust of the wave. And they go off telling how they're saved and how they're all right and how everything's good and all of that. But that and taking depth and getting into the good soil is two very different things. And I am hoping that this lesson this morning will help you to not be that kind of person, that you won't just be a visitor, an occasional visitor, that you won't just be in any way be deceived by the enemy to make you think that because you've sung a few songs and 
prayed with us a little bit, worshiped with us a little bit, that you're okay. Okay? There's more to this than that. There is a one place talked about a depth of wisdom. There is a and another place talked about in search of new depths. You can get to a place and then stagnate, stop. But if you will follow on to know the Lord, if you will push through the, the dry place, I'll call it, if you will push through the place where the enemy is resisting you. And you, one man told me just recently, and he's fairly new, and he's been doing a lot of witnessing. And he said, um, he said I find when I push through, when I just go a little further, wait on the Lord a little more, that that's when something usually good happens. So I'm saying to you, Jesus said to follow me. And we don't want to just follow him for one service. We don't want to follow him in a hit-and-miss attitude. We want to follow him consistently because, you know, every day with Jesus was a brand-new day. Every day was different. You know, if he wasn't having a picnic, he was taking a boat ride. He was always doing something, teaching in the temple, reading from the Word of God, doing things uh, that were just so wonderful. And the more that you get involved with the work of God and the deeper that you get in God, then one of the main things I should make this point to you is that you will get victory over sin. You will get victory over the wrong things in your life. A lot of people get baptized in Jesus' name, and you should. You must be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. It is for the full pardon of all of those sins that you have committed. But as you continue in Him, you should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are many reasons why people struggle with that. And I would mention a few, but one of them is pride. One of them is self-consciousness, worried about what everybody's looking at you and what they're thinking. But I can tell you that I have read in the newspaper that when um, there's something special and it's rare, it's, there's just so many of them, there's not a whole bunch of them. There's just a few of them, so to speak, that people will line up at the door way before the door is going to be unlocked. And that once that door opens, they become like a herd of buffalo. And they will step on one another and shove one another and fight and argue, uh, all in an attempt to be the one to get whatever number of those things there are before they're all gone. Well, I would like for you to think about receiving the Holy Ghost like that a little bit. I would like for you to realize how great it is, and it's a rarity in the sense of that there's going to be a whole lot more people that don't say yes to Jesus than there are people that are going to say yes to Jesus. Going to be a lot of people that say no, and sometimes people say no just by having their own set of beliefs that are not rooted and grounded in the Scriptures. You want, thus saith the Lord. You want chapter and verse. You want subject matter. You want to do this right. You don't want to play around with the truth. You need to stick around to where you 
follow on to know the Lord, to where you learn about him. Didn't he say that in Matthew 11 and 28? He said, come unto me all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, learn of me. You got to learn from me here. He is the lawgiver. He is the teacher. He has a system that he birthed in Acts chapter 2 and sent that church into all the world preaching this gospel, preaching this message. And you want to tell yourself that I want to get that same experience that comes from that same message that he gave to his church and sent them to preach to everybody everywhere. I don't want any changes. I don't want any changes. They do say that Americans don't like change. And uh, whether that's true or not, I'm just going to say to you that when it comes to the message of the Lord, there is no change. So if you're adverse to change, you've got no problem because it's not going to change. It is the message that Jesus gave, and he gave his life for it. And he gave it to people who were, what the Bible said, commit this unto people that are faithful, people that are going to take the ball and run with it. Now, the Bible teaches that there's going to be a whole lot of different birds of the air that will come and lodge in the branches of the church. The church is likened unto a great tree and that they, they're going to lodge in the branches of the church. Everything that, that settles down into the church is not going to be of God. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to take the club right out of the devil's hand. If you go out of the church and you don't come back and you say it's because of hypocrites, well, I'm going to tell you there's going to be hypocrites in the church. They're not in the church. I shouldn't say it that way, but they're here, okay? And it's going to be that way. Jesus taught it that way, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, God knows the heart. And you walk out these doors, and you go lay down with some other woman, then you're a hypocrite if you're claiming this truth. Hear me? Hello. That is not of God. And so I'm trying to tell you, when you come to the church, and that goes vice versa, ladies, and when you come to the church, you want to get rid of that stuff. You want to be delivered from that. You want God to give you a brand new heart. And you want Him to take out the old and put in the new. You want to let the old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. That's what you want. Everybody said praise the Lord. And you want that whether you think you want that or not. And some people, some people unfortunately, they are exceedingly confused and very mixed up. And they think that they can do anything they want and that, you know, it's all going to be all right. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't all going to be all right. It's not going to be all right. You've got to come to a place to where you're following on to know the Lord. That's why it's so important to learn to be in subjection to the leadership so that you can be corrected. When you do it wrong, then you line up as you're told what's right. You submit yourself to chapter and verse and realizing that in my flesh dwells no good thing. 
and that I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to do things the way he says it is to be done. And what he says is right. And everybody said amen. What he says is right. I don't feel that anybody was any more rebellious than I was and lost and mixed up and confused and ignorant or lacking in knowledge of what his ways were and are. But uh, when you come to him and you tell him you want to get straight here, you want to get it right, then he's going to do that. If you yield yourself to him and you truly repent of your sins, then you get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and He fills you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not talking about you getting about a two-second experience here either, okay? Because, you know, that you have to think of this as I'm exceedingly thirsty, and I haven't had a drink all my life, and I have a chance to drink now, so I'm going to glug, 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 and glug, glug, glug some more, you know? I'm going to be plum greedy about this gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to get all I can get until I'm worn out. Until uh, What did uh, the writer say in Revelation? He said that uh, there was, when he heard that voice and saw that vision, he said there was no more strength in me. I couldn't even lift myself up. Daniel said the same thing in the Old Testament. Just took all the strength out of you. Well, what we wanted to do is take all of that self-will out of you we wanted to get rid of all that stubbornness out of you, and we want you to come up for, for air, <laughs> a brand new person, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a new nature, a new heart, a new attitude in you. Create, that's why the writer, in problem in his life, he said, create, in struggle and temptation, he said, create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. That's why your Bible said that after you're baptized in Jesus' name and you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, that you are then, now that you're saved, then he goes on to say in teaching to the church. Now, somebody must have been listening. Somebody must have been hungry and feed me and teach me and let me learn more about God's Word. And somebody was so open to the teaching that he taught them you're saved by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not enough just to get a one-shot deal here. Okay? You want to be renewed in the gift of the Holy Ghost. You want there to be an experience in your life that, you know, when, you're, when you say the word, I'm saved, what you're saying is, I've been delivered from sin. That's what you're saying because that's what Jesus brought. He said, his name shall be called Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. Okay, He's going to save you. He's going to deliver you from your sins. So consequently, he came along and he began to tell people to follow him. And they, somebody said, well, I'm going fishing today. And somebody else said, I was going fishing today. But I'm going with you. Now there's your difference. And I will tell you by experience that people who constantly say they're going to Chances are they won't. We need that kind of effect on us that, you know, if you're out, get caught out in the rain and 
you know, we get that around here. We call it liquid sunshine. Um, but the sunshine, we usually stand in it and enjoy it. The rain, we run from it, don't we? So if you're between the car and the house and you got about 25 yards to go, look out. You're going to be getting with it, right? You're going you're gonna to get away from that. You're going to get out of that. And that's what happens with people that begin to set a pattern. I'm telling you, I've had people for 36 years that have told me they were coming and they hadn't come yet, okay? You don't want to get that started in your life. When God is dealing with you by whatever means that he's doing it, and he has many different ways of doing that, as he deals with you, because no man can come except the Spirit draw him. But remember, too, that the Bible teaches if he was lifted up, and he was on Calvary, then he said, I will draw all men unto me. The difference being, again, some people drop what they were doing and went. Other people just kept doing what they were doing. And some of them said, well, one of these days, one of these days. And that's where people will put off or procrastinate or they'll put off. And you can put off and put off until you put it off, you know, until it's just put off. And it doesn't ever get anywhere near the top of the priority ladder. So you want to tell yourself that I have a, shall I say, golden opportunity here. I have an opportunity to live for God. I have an opportunity here to get things right. I, ha I don't need to let anything hinder me. Uh, somebody quoted me this morning about somebody said they wanted to be baptized, and they said, well, what doth hinder? And how many times have we quoted that? What's hindering you? What's in the way? What's the roadblock? What's holding you back? Just come on and let's get it done. Let's get it done because we believe it. Because we believe it's what the Bible said. So let's go do it. Let's go do it. Now we have this example of Matthew 8 and 19 on your deal here. It said, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And I have a CD in my truck. I have a lot of CDs, but they're, um, most of them are preaching and services. But I, I have one that's just singing, and um, he uh, he sings a song. I think it's the very first one, actually, and it's talking about I'm going to do everybody right. And he's leading it, and he slips in there, and he says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Well, I'm trying to say that sometimes people say things that they're not going to do. And this individual said, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. But we have no record that he did. Right on the heels of that, we have a person that said, well, I'll follow you, Lord, but first, let me go take care of thus and so. And Jesus said, well, in, other, in my words, he said, well, you let them take care of thus and so, and you come follow me. There'll always be something if you let, it, if you let there always be something. If you don't put your foot down, if you don't make up your mind, if you don't channel that determination. We can get very determined to do some things, and we don't let anything stop us, no matter how illogical it may be. We can get very, very stubborn and just go on and do it, as opposed to if we were to just say, okay, wait a minute, I've been doing this for a long time and acting this way, showing this pattern in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God, since he's dealing with me, I'm going to ask him to help me to change the pattern here. I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't want to keep going in the direction that I'm going in. I, I want to truly mean it here when I say, I will follow thee. Because, again, we have examples here 
of those that said it but didn't do it. So you, you don't want to be that. So it shows you how not to do it. You don't want to follow that example. You want to follow the example of those that did follow the Lord. Okay? Imagine a man, a man even, saying no to a fishing trip. Not today. Going to church. Imagine that. Wow. Must be some kind of real pull going on here. And it is a real pull. The Lord is trying to break into your thinking. And He's trying to bring you to Him. He's trying to show you that there is a truth. There is a reality. And there is a life beyond this life. And you've got to think about that. Because it is appointed unto all of us once to die. And after that, the judgment. So you don't want to wait till the last second here and think that you're going to have, uh, what do they call that, um, a deathbed repentance or something? You know, uh, people are often just, like I said, they get a pattern going in their life, and they put off and put off and put off, and they wait till the very last <gasps> breath, you know. And that's not, believe me, that is not the way to do this. You need to, to do what the Scripture said, that word that's in Psalms a lot, salah. It means you need to pause, and you need to think about it. You need to meditate on this, and then I'll add, and then you need to do it. You need to do this right thing that God is inspiring you to do. Now, Matthew 8 and 22. But Jesus said, follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. Now, I read in the Bible where people, it was disciples actually, and it was women, and they came to, isn't it nice that women can be disciples? We are an equal opportunity employer. Okay? We do not discriminate against anything. We're here for you. All right? The only thing we're not fond of is sin. We don't like that stuff. All right, so Jesus has this individual beseeching him, and these two disciples, it's recorded in the Scripture, they these two women came to his grave after that he had been crucified and buried. Only they came a little late. And they got there, and they're hunting around and searching around, and they cannot find where he's buried. And all of a sudden, they behold one standing there, and he's glistening and shining, and, and they, they say to him, um, where have you taken the Lord? He said, if, if you'll tell us, we'll, we'll take his body, we'll, we'll take care of everything. And they said, why? He said, why do you seek the living? Number one, he is alive. Okay, he is alive. So why do you seek the living among the dead? You're in the wrong place looking for what you're looking for. You're not going to find it in a place of death. And I'm going to tell you that the Bible teaches you that sin is death. Okay? Sin is death. It is a spiritual death. And you're dead to God and God's ways when you're in sin. You don't want to be dead in your sin and your trespasses because Jesus made a way that he could take care of all of that death and get it out of your system, get away from you, and make you alive in Christ Jesus. So the thing I want you to see is that we go... People go, I used to go, don't go there anymore, but I used to go to bars. I used to go to different places like that, uh, seeking 
fun, seeking some kind of thrill, seeking some kind of enjoyment. But there came a day when by the grace of God, I found out that that's not where it's at. And it wasn't there. And so by the grace of God, I repented of my sins. I got baptized in Jesus' name, and I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I was saved from that thinking and those desires. He took those desires for those things away because now the Scripture said He is the desire of every living thing, and I that became my desire. I want God. I want what He has for me. I And there's people sitting here right now, and you're saying, well, it's just some things. That's right. It's just some things you're not going to let go of, and consequently, you're not going to be saved. And you're only going to regret it after that first instant in hell. And that's what the rich man did. Now that doesn't particularly have to mean he was Bill Gates rich, okay? Just means that he had a lot of things that he gave himself to in life. And in giving himself to those things, he looked on the church. You're crazy, man. All you do is go to church. You, you look bad to me. And you, you are, um, you know, you're, you're so involved with that that, man, I don't see anything good about you. You appear to me as, as somebody that the, the dogs, they lick your sores, and you're just a beggar. And he went on his way faring sumptuously, clothed in the best outfits, you know. And, uh, but the Bible said, the Bible said that there came a day when he died. And when he died, Book said he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment, being in torment. This man who had the uh, who had the wine cooler stocked with all kinds of water, and uh, that's a joke. And uh, he uh, he opened. He wanted he anytime he wanted, he could just go there and open that little refrigerator and get his fancy water out of there. But you know now, now he's begging for. Lazarus, the one he looked down on so much and wasted his life, he thought, he said, hey, could, could you just be, come down here and after dipping your finger in water and just tar touch the end of my parched tongue, could you do that for me? And, of course, the answer came back and said, no, no, that, that now, see, we don't like that right there because then we get very sympathetic. But, you know, when it's over, it's over. And there will be an overtime. And there will be a time when people will not want to acknowledge that it's over. And they'll want to try to figure out some way out of it. But there will be no way out of hell. There will be a finality here. So now, the Bible said, today is the day of salvation. And what that means is this period of time in which you are living, where God has expressed His love that whosoever will could come and take freely of the water of life, could believe on Him as the Scripture has said, and would not perish, that all the time now, from when He gave His life on Calvary, poured out His Spirit to the moment of the first resurrection. I had a man say to me this morning, going to the radio, I got in there and just got set to get ready to preach, and I'm just waiting for that signal and, and the 
you know, music to get to the right place. And, and so he, he said to me, he said, man, I didn't even know you were here. And then he stopped and he said, I guess that's going to be how it is when Jesus comes. And I said, yep, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to come like a thief. We're going to be gone. Jesus is going to slip in and out of here, and he's going to take his church out of here. And, you know, the Bible, people say, a lot of times they'll say, um, oh, you know, every eye is going to see him. Not then they're not. They're only going to get to see him when he's coming back with the wrath. Well, hear me? He's coming back for judgment. That's when every eye is going to see him. you got to get your chronological scriptures going here in the right way. Get your time frame right. And I am saying to you that a rich man lifted up his eyes in hell who had enjoyed, and the scripture said that he told him, he told him, he said, in your lifetime, you enjoyed all of the finer and the good things of life. But now that's gone and that's over. What do you say we follow him now? Because today is a day of salvation. Now is our opportunity. And there's nothing that you're holding on to that is worth it. Nothing. What would you gain? What would you profit if you got everything in this life and then lost your soul? The, the time frame here, you know, by reason of strength, and I'll say medical research, 80 and maybe a little more than that average now, okay, what is that in comparison to world without end? You want to be in the right world. You want to be with the right one and ones. You want to be with them. So it's going to require you, Jesus said, to follow me. Follow me. Let me teach you. Let me train you. Let me lead you to this truth and this message. All right, so I'm going to try to finish up here kind of hard for me sometimes Matthew 16 and 24 Ben said Jesus if any man will come after me let him deny himself it is a cross church family it is a cross there's a cross to be put on your shoulder and bear through the city and people look at you and say oh well you're you're um, you're going to church and and you always go to church and you're living a life that's so different man I remember when I was first baptized and I didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet and I I had a guy wanted to bet me and I said I don't bet anymore he said well two weeks ago you did and I said yeah well two weeks ago I wasn't baptized in Jesus name there's been a change in me and it's a good change a good change a good change That's, and, and you know something else two weeks before if somebody told me it was wrong to bet I'd have argued with them I got baptized in Jesus' name. I wasn't arguing with the preacher at all. You hear me? I wasn't arguing at all. I was I was saying, okay, yes, sir, yep, okay, right, that's it, gotcha. I'm going to start doing it that way. Change of nature. You get Christ's nature. And let me tell you something. You're so happy about what he's doing in your life that you don't want to argue about anything, sure enough, because you're just happy with everything. Happy with everything. Happy with how you feel. Clean. Peaceful. Full of joy. Getting direction and purpose in your life. Realizing that you have found what it's all about. In conclusion, Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 21, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. Now, boy, you're going to fall out right there, I know. 
and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Again, he was talking to an individual. Everybody's different. But what you want to get out of that is that you sell out of your lifestyle. And Jesus was testing this individual because he knew this individual was very well off. And he knew that his mind was on all of those possessions because the scripture said he had great possessions. And Jesus was trying to say, you got to want me more than you want things. And Jesus made it clear that when you let go of those things and you follow him, that he's going to give things back into your life, but not things that are going to hurt you or harm you or drag you down. He's going to give you the strength uh, so that you'll have responsibility. I've said it for years. I hope every one of you, God blesses you with a limousine unless you're going to get in it and drive off. Okay? So I don't know what your limousine might look like, but if it's going to if it's going to cost you Jesus, then I don't want you to have it. Okay? You have to follow him so you can grow, so you can get strength, so that you can be trusted with something that God would put in your life. You want to be able to have enough strength that when the load of certain things comes down on you that he puts in your life, that you can bear up under it. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. If you have any questions, ask Senior Sister Phelan. She hears it all the time. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's stand together, shall we? We're going to have a little treat this morning for you. And, uh, I hope that you will enjoy it greatly, and I believe you will. Let's take a moment and let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, dear Jesus. We love you, dear God, and we bless and praise your holy name. We want your kind and your loving spirit to touch our hearts. Teach us your ways, O holy God. Instruct us in the ways of the Spirit, and help us, dear God, I pray. Give us the strength of heaven, the victory of the Holy Ghost, the anointing, and the charge and the supercharge of the Holy Ghost. Lead and guide us, O Lord, into all truth, and show us your great presence and your mighty spirit and your holy power. We need the truth of heaven. I have a little traveling music at this time.
spirit you are welcome come on in take your seat inhabit our praise god in zion judas lion we acknowledge your presence oh lord holy spirit you are welcome come on in take your seat inhabit our praise god in zion judas lion we acknowledge your presence oh lord holy spirit you are welcome come on in take your seat inhabit our praise god in zion judas lion we acknowledge your presence oh lord holy spirit you are welcome come on in take your seat inhabit our praise god in zion judas lion we acknowledge your presence, oh Lord, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. You are welcome. Come on in, take a seat. Inhabit our praise, God is lying. Judas lying. We acknowledge your presence, oh Lord. God of mercy, show your glory as we enter this place. Show us your face, God, please. Give us peace, yeah. We welcome your presence, oh Lord.
such a privilege and an opportunity to be here in the house of the Lord here this morning. At this time with the ushers, get ready. Everybody say, God bless the offering in Jesus' name. God bless the offering in Jesus' Thank you. 
trust in him this morning. I you to come, if you have not yet been baptized in Jesus' name, come and pray and ask God to allow you to be baptized in his name. If you have not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost, come asking God to give you the Holy Ghost. He is great and he is mighty. He is holy and he is divine. He cares about you. He cares about you. Come on now. Lord, I give you my heart. Yeah. I give you my soul. Oh, yes. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Oh, you're great and mighty. 